Hello and welcome to An Engineer's Journey Through the Book of Mormon. We explore the Book of Mormon with the assumption that science worked the same then as it does now and that the characters are real people with the same types of feelings and tendencies as you and me today. The views and opinions expressed here are strictly those of the narrator and should not be considered official interpretations in any way. And now An Engineer's Journey Through the Book of Mormon. Hello and welcome back. In the last few videos, we talked about King Benjamin's final address to his people who were living in the land of Zarahemla, and then he made his son Mosiah king. But although Mosiah and his people were happy living in Zarahemla, there was another group of Nephites living further south who had not been in contact with Mosiah's people for at least 60 or 70 years. So Mosiah sent a search party to find out what happened to them. And that's what we'll be talking about today. But now it's time for the trivia question, which plays right into today's discussion. What was the name of the land that the Nephites left behind when they fled from the Lamanites and traveled northward to Zarahemla? After Lehi's group landed in roughly 592 BC, the Nephites and Lamanites lived together briefly. Then, in 2 Nephi chapter 5, Nephi was warned to take as many people as who would go with him and flee into the wilderness. They traveled for several days before they finally stopped and pitched their tents in a land they called the land of Nephi. And eventually they formed a city called the city of Lehi-Nephi. After this, the city of Lehi-Nephi in the land of Nephi is where the Nephites lived for the next several hundred years. But the Lamanites were not far away and were a consistent, persistent, ongoing threat. We don't have specific information about what happened, but in Omni 112, Amalekai tells us that King Benjamin's father, also named King Mosiah, was warned of the Lord that he should flee out of the land of Nephi, and as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord should also depart out of the land with him. So in answer to the trivia question, the land they left behind was called the land of Nephi. And for bonus points, you could say that they left the city of Lehi-Nephi. After reaching Zarahemla, Mosiah and his people discovered that, like them, the people in Zarahemla were originally from Jerusalem. The two groups joined and they made Mosiah their king. We discussed this in more detail in the video of Mosiah chapters 1 and 2. So, after joining with Zarahemla, Benjamin and his people succeeded in driving away the Lamanites from Zarahemla and they were left alone for a while. But not everybody was happy in Zarahemla, as we said a minute ago. Several of them wanted to return to their fields and farms and return to the city of Lehi-Nephi. And so a large group of people joined together and went southward, but that mission ended in disaster. We'll discuss it more in the next video, but in a nutshell, a fight broke out and the people began killing each other. The fighting was so intense that only 50 people survived. They came straggling back to Zarahemla and they gathered a new group of people wanting to return to the land of Nephi. This group left, and that was the last that anybody heard of them. Amalekai tells us in Omni 1.30, And I, Amalekai, had a brother who also went with them, and I have not since known concerning them. Seventy or eighty years went by with no communication. And that leads us to chapter 7, verse 1. 
And now it came to pass that after King Mosiah had had continual peace for the space of three years, he was desirous to know concerning the people who went up to dwell in the land of Lehi-Nephi, or in the city of Lehi-Nephi. For his people had heard nothing from them from the time they left the land of Zarahemla. Therefore they wearied him with their teasings. Mosiah allowed a group of 16 of their strong men to search for this long-missing company. Ammon, a descendant of Zarahemla, led the search party. They wandered for 40 days in the wilderness because none of them knew how to reach the land of Nephi. And that tells us something. It tells us a few things. First, it tells us that when they left, they left in a hurry. They weren't trying to make maps or understand the terrain. They were just trying to put distance between themselves and the Lamanites as quickly as possible. Second, it seems to imply that the cities and settlements were comparatively small compared to the surrounding land that they were going through. Search parties throughout the Book of Mormon have an unusually hard time finding settlements and cities. And lastly, that gives us some clues about the terrain. It was the type of country where you could easily get lost. And we'll see this again and again moving forward. Now, some people say that this indicates that they were living in the jungle. And I'll admit that it's very easy to get lost in the jungle. The problem is that a jungle would not be considered land choice above all other land. Farming in a jungle or rainforest is not an easy thing to do. Ask yourself this, how, many, how much food gets exported by people living in jungles? Maybe I'm going on a limb here, but the promised land was not a jungle. So what other types of terrain would it be easy to get lost in? You could also easily get lost in mountainous terrain or with a lot of hills where you have limited visibility or if you have uh, rivers or mountains forcing you to choose directions. There's a lot of possibilities. Anyway, we have a group of 16 strong men searching for the city of Lehi-Nephi. Eventually they either discovered a landmark or could see the city itself. So they pitched their tents on the side of a hill and Ammon who was leading the group took three men with him and descended down into the land of Nephi and went over to the city of Lehi-Nephi. The three men who joined Ammon were named Amalekai, Helam, and Hem. See, now that would have been a good trivia question. It's interesting that one of the three men was named Amalekai because if we revisit Omni 1.30 it says, and I, Amalekai, had a brother who also went with them. So it's entirely unimportant and it's speculation, but maybe this Amalekai with Ammon was a descendant of the first Amalekai. And this Amalekai was looking for his long-lost family members. Maybe. So Ammon, Amalekai, and the others descended from the hill and approached the city walls. Verse 7, And behold, they met the king of the people who were in the land of Nephi and in the land of Shilom. And they were surrounded by the king's guard and were taken and were bound and were committed to prison. They sat waiting in prison for two days before being loosed, presented to the king, and commanded to answer his questions. The king introduced himself as Limhi, son of Noah, and the grandson of Zenith, who led the original expedition from Zarahemla. He asked them, And now I desire to know the cause whereby ye were so bold as to come near the walls of the city when I myself was with my guards without the gate. And now for this cause I have suffered that ye should be preserved, that I might inquire of you, or else I should have caused that my guards should have put you to death. Ye are permitted to speak. Now we might wonder why Limhi was so impatient and threatening and hostile in his reception of Ammon and his men. 
But later, we'll learn that he mistook them from some renegade priests who were sneaking around and causing a significant amount of trouble. Ammon thanked the king for sparing his life and said, I am assured that if you had known me, you would not have suffered that I should have worn these bands. For I am Ammon, and am a descendant of Zarahemla, and have come up out of the land of Zarahemla to inquire concerning our brethren whom Zenith brought up out of that land. Upon hearing that Ammon had come from Zarahemla, Limhi rejoiced and gathered his people so they could also rejoice. The time is at hand, he said, when we shall no longer be in subjection to our enemies. He explained to Ammon that they were in captivity and were forced under penalty of death to pay 50% of all their increase to the Lamanites. He briefly explained their history. Zenith was the name of the man who led the group from Zarahemla to reclaim the land and city of Lehi-Nephi. Zenith was the term they use is overzealous to inherit the land of Nephi and thus he allowed the Lamanites to lure him into a trap. The Lamanite king gave them permission to settle, resume farming the land of Nephi because, as we are told in verse 22, all this he did for the sole purpose of bringing his people into subjection or bondage. And that's what happened. The Lamanites let them get established and then the Lamanite king imposed a tax on all their crops and flocks and herds. And now two generations later, their situation was even worse. Limhi and his people currently had to give the Lamanites, as he said, half of everything they grew. Their corn, their barley, their grain, their flocks, their herds, and so on. Limhi lamented that it was his people's wickedness that got them into their current state. Verse 25, for if this people had not fallen into transgression, the Lord would not have suffered that this great evil should come upon them. But behold, they would not hearken unto his words. But there arose contentions among them, even so much that they did shed blood among themselves. And a prophet of the Lord have they slain. Yea, a chosen man of God who told them of their wickedness and abominations, and prophesied of many things which are to come, yea, even the coming of Christ. There had been a prophet who came prophesying among them who prophesied of the coming of Christ, and they'd killed him. And because he said unto them that Christ was the God, the Father of all things, and said that he should take upon him the image of man, and it should be the image after which man was created in the beginning, or in other words, he said that man was created after the image of God, and that God should come down among the children of men and take upon him the flesh and blood and go forth upon the face of the earth. And now because he said this, they did put him to death. And many more things did they do which brought down the wrath of God upon them. Therefore, who wondereth that they are in bondage and that they are smitten with sore afflictions? The prophet he was talking about, we'll learn a little bit later, was named Abinadi. And we'll talk about him extensively in some upcoming videos. And then King Limhi gathered his people together and asked Ammon to give them news of Zarahemla, what had happened in the last 80 years. So Ammon told them. And then in verse 3, he also rehearsed unto them the last words which King Benjamin had taught them and explained them to the people of King Limhi so that they might understand all the words which he spake. Quote, he rehearsed unto them King Benjamin's talk. I find it fascinating that Limhi's people in the land of Nephi received the same message as Benjamin's people. They just didn't hear it firsthand, but, but instead they heard someone else rehearsing it to them. But... That was the same for a lot of the people who attended King Benjamin's talk. They had the message relayed to them by messengers. And then, just as King Benjamin did at the end of his message, 
in Mosiah 6.3 where he, quote, dismissed the multitude, everyone, to their own houses. King Limhi also dismissed his people, quote, everyone unto his own house. And after everyone departed and they were alone, Limhi showed his people's records to Ammon. Then he asked, can you interpret languages? And he explained why he wanted to know. With his people being enslaved by the Lamanites, Limhi hoped that the Nephites could come and rescue them. So he sent 43 men north into the wilderness searching for the land of Zarahemla. They never found it. Remember how we said that settlements were hard to find and people got lost easily? Well, as we'll find out in Alma 22, this search party overshot the land of Zarahemla and ended up in a land far northward. This land was filled with bones, ruins of buildings, rusty weapons and armor. A land, he said, which, quote, had been peopled with a people who were as numerous as the hosts of Israel. While searching through these ruins, Limhi's men found 24 plates of pure gold filled with engravings. They brought these back to Limhi. Having explained this, Limhi asked Ammon about a potential translator. Verse 12, And I say unto thee again, Knowest thou of any one that can translate? For I am desirous that these records should be translated into our language, for perhaps they will give us a knowledge of a remnant of the people who have been destroyed from whence these records came, or or perhaps they will give us a knowledge of this very people who have been destroyed, and I am desirous to know the cause of their destruction. Ammon explained that there was such a man in Zarahemla who had, quote, interpreters, which allowed him to translate ancient languages. Verse 13, Now Ammon said unto him, I can assuredly tell thee, O king, of a man that can translate the records, for he has wherewith that he can look and translate all records that are of ancient date. And it is a gift from God. And the things are called interpreters, and no man can look in them except he be commanded, lest he should look for that he ought not, and he should perish. And whosoever is commanded to look in them, the same is called seer. And then he explained that a seer was a prophet and a revelator and, quote, a gift which is greater can no man have. But a seer can know of things which are past and also things which are to come. And by them shall all things be revealed, or rather shall secret things be made manifest and hidden things shall come to light. And things which are not known shall be made known by them. And also things shall be made known by them which otherwise could not be known. Thus, God has provided a means that man, through faith, might work mighty miracles. Therefore, he becometh a great benefit to his fellow beings. After hearing this, Limhi had an interesting reaction. He rejoiced, but not because there was a living prophet walking the earth, but because he had finally found someone to translate the plates which his men had found. Here's verse 19. And now, when Ammon had made an end of speaking these words, the king rejoiced exceedingly and gave thanks to God, saying, Doubtless a great mystery is contained within these plates. And these interpreters were doubtless prepared for the purpose of unfolding all such mysteries to the children of men. As we'll discover later, the 24 golden plates discovered by the search party were written by the Jaredites, a group who came to the Americas at the time of the Tower of Babel. But we'll discuss their story later, much later. That's all we have for today. In the next few videos, we'll review the history of Limhi's people, starting with Zenith, who led the original group from Zarahemla, his son, King Noah, and also the prophet Abinadi. But let's end today with a trivia question. 
This one may be easy for some of you. It's about the plates that the search party found far north in the land of desolation, as it came to be called. Who wrote those plates? Who was the author of the 24 plates found by Limhai's group of 43 men who went searching for Zarahemla? Leave your answer in the comments. And if you have any suggestions for a trivia question for me, email me at bomjourney at gmail.com. And we will see you next time.